So on Halloween night, I'm going to go down to my sister and brother-in-law's house because they get a million trick-or-treaters. And it's pretty fun to be around my brother-in-law on Halloween because he's a giant man. He's like 6'2", 270. And he likes to scare the, the neighborhood children in like a fun like goosebumps sort of way he doesn't like actually like freak him out he likes you know it's like a sasquatch suit and stuff it's pretty funny i think i'm gonna bring my synth down and get a spooky patch going for when they come and trick-or-treat and you know i was thinking that's pretty cool the sound that'll come out would be cool but it's not gonna look that spooky because with all the blinking lights and stuff it's 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 almost kind of Christmassy, and I'm like, how can I get my synth to go from looking kind of Christmassy to spooky Halloweeny? Did I just say Halloweeny? That is a hilarious word. Well, how I plan on making my synth look extra scary this year is I'm gonna cover it with Mod Bang glow in the dark cables. In fact, I've just replaced most, if not all, of my cables with Mod Bang glow-in-the-dark cables. There are two colors. There are primrose and there are cobalt blue. They come in three lengths, 12, 18, 36 inches. Uh, you can go to modbang.com to learn more about these cables. Also, they do a monthly photo contest, so keep an eye out for that. Um, if you, you just take a nice picture of your synth and, and submit it to mod at modbang.com, you could win a free bag of glow-in-the-dark cables. So that's pretty cool. And let's tie this together. Say you wanted to go support Patchworks. You've heard me talk about our lovely local scent shop here in Seattle, Patchworks. Well, if you're like, hey, I kind of want some glow-in-the-dark cables, but I also want to support Patchworks. What should I do? Well, I'll tell you. Go to p-a-t-c-h-w-e-r-k-s.com and order some Mod Bang cables through Patchworks. Both Seattle shops, both grassroots and ModBang is a brand new company, so let's welcome ModBang into our community with love and support. So how are y'all doing this week? I'm doing pretty well. It's, uh, I think it's cool when Halloween falls on, uh, like on a Thursday, which is, I think it's Thursday of next week, so you, I feel like when it's close to a weekend, you can have two weekends of stuff. Um, and by the time you listen to this episode, I will have done the live scoring of Nosferatu with uh, John and Michael from Bleeps and Loops and Josh Lim from uh, Modular Seattle. We had a little band practice last night, and uh, I gotta tell you, it's, it's pretty dang fun. I think uh, a lot of people get into electronic music, well I did, um, because it was just too hard to try to coordinate with other people. Band, you know, being in a band is hard. There's drama, there's scheduling, there's conflict. So you, you kind of can go into electronic music to be like, well, I, this is just going to be me. I don't have to worry about all that other shit. I can just do this. And so you get into that for a while, but there there is something that... I don't know, if you've ever been in, in like a good jam session with somebody, no matter what the instrument is, there's no other feeling like it. So yeah, it's been cool to work with uh, such amazing musicians on this, and I think it's going to be uh, a pretty cool show. The sabbatical rages on. I think it's going to be coming to an end, honestly, which I'm not super excited about, but I will say that the last two months have been amazing. I've learned a lot. Um, I've been able to pursue some of the stuff uh, that I've wanted to do but couldn't because the day job interfered. So thank you all for listening to this show. Because of you, I was able to or at least had a reason to save up some money 
take some time off and just focus on this. And there, yeah, it's been awesome. I've been way easier doing interviews. Um, just the scheduling of it, having the freedom to do it. Um, it was great to have all that time off for Velocity. Um, also, I've worked, I've got these three like little projects that I've been wanting to work on outside of just the standard episode. One of those was my fake fundraiser episode a few uh, few weeks back. If you haven't listened to that, please do. I had a whole lot of fun making it. It's just goofy. And I've got a couple other things that are going to be coming your way before the sabbatical's over. If you want to help try to keep this sabbatical alive, there are a couple ways you can do that. You can go to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. I am four subscribers away from 100 subscribers, which is significant. And I just want to say thank you so much to the people who are supporting me right now. Also, if you don't want a monthly charge on your card, I totally get that. You don't have to give me money every month. That's kind of, you know, if you feel like that's weird, I totally get it. If you like these songs that have been playing over this intro, though, and you want to support the show, you can go to podularmodcast.bandcamp.com and pick up this new EP that I released called Cabin Jams. Cabin Jams is a set of songs that I wrote and recorded up in my uncle's cabin on the mighty Skykomish River. Um, it was going to be, it was kind of like a demo session for what was going to be my new album, and then I found Modular, and they just sat on my hard drive, and I recently went back and listened to them and thought, hey, I like these enough to release them. Funny story about this recording session, I uh, went out there by myself and stayed in this cabin for two nights, um, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, out uh, by a town called Index in Washington. And my uncle said, hey, help yourself to any of the food in the fridge or in the pantry, you know, whatever you want. Um, I said, oh, cool. You know, cool. I brought my own stuff and I cooked some hot dogs over a fire and brought some beer and I actually used the beer cans uh, to play chopsticks on a lot for the percussion. You can hear it come in right about now. Oh, no, not quite yet. Here it comes. Here it comes. So that's, uh, yeah, that's chopsticks going on, like, glasses and, uh, and beer cans. But anyways, I'm out there by myself. He says, help yourself. Okay, cool. I don't really eat any of his food. But then one night, I'm, I've had a few beers. I open up the fridge, and I see these individually wrapped little, like, peanut butter cup chocolates. I'm like, oh, this sounds good. I love peanut butter cups. Um, I should have really been tipped off to the fact that they were individually wrapped, but didn't really, you know, it's my uncle, so I was like, it never even occurred to me that these were weed chocolates. And I don't do very well with with THC. Uh, it gives me anxiety, uh, especially in the edible form. So I ate one of these chocolates, and I was like, that was a good chocolate. And then I went to bed. And then I woke up at 3 a.m., freezing cold, with uh, a heart rate at about 200 bpm and uh yeah luckily i had some episodes of community on my laptop so i watched community until the sun came up and then i recorded more songs so that's my story on this um and my long-winded way of saying that it's available on Bandcamp if you want to check it out so if you want to support the show in that regard, you can go to podularmodcast.bandcamp.com. Speaking of supporting the show, there is a tier on Patreon where uh, it's called the Patchtogram, and you give me uh, an adjective and a noun. I will do the, my own 
patch challenge, 15-minute patch challenge. Make a video, tag you, record a, uh, you know, record a little session with it, send you a WAV file, and then I'll also give you your own adjective and noun. And this, what you hear fading up behind me, is actually from the words Harsh Biology, which I gave to Bradburn Williams, a.k.a. Synthstronaut, which is a great name. Um, so Bradburn supported the show at the Patchdogram level, and then I gave him these words, and this is what he made. So let's take a listen. Spooky stuff just in time for All Hallows' Eve. Um, just really quick, too, while we're on the topic of Patreon, I want to shout out Dark Main, Lars Odegaard, and Carl, or a.k.a. Woke Ass Messiah. Woke Ass Messiah is the coolest name I've ever heard, so kudos on that. I think that's about it for this intro. I really appreciate uh, you listening through it, and if you skip through it, I have nothing to say to you because you wouldn't hear it anyways. Let's uh, get into this chat with uh, Daedalus. It's so cool to have him back on the show. We talk about his new album and his recent relocation from hot, sunny Southern California to cold, snowy Boston, Massachusetts. So let's get into it. Um, Yeah, my computer's been getting weird, so I'm going to have to keep an eye on it. It's been, like, dropping out every once in a while, but it's really no big deal. All I have to do is just hit record and it... It doesn't really make dropouts are a classic, though. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest; it's one of the most sought-after audio effects. <laughs> so how it's is not Boston? A, it's not a problem; it's a feature. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Boston's incredible. I mean, Boston is a academic institution in of itself. There's like mm-hmm. 66 colleges and universities. It. I mean, I was here for like one week before the student population moved in. Uh huh. So I too was kind of just like in transit, and transient, and um, and goodness, it, like the whole city swole up real quick, and like it's been like nonstop ever since. I've been still gigging, I've been still doing other things, but just like professing is such a different everything. <laughs> I love it. I mean, don't get me wrong; like the students are incredible, the institution's amazing, Berkeley is really supportive of this like digital initiative to like make electronic instruments uh primary yeah it was something people can like test in on like non-traditional non-resonant instruments and be able to use that as their primary is incredible it's like yeah, i don't think awesome. there's any other institutions that are doing that at this high level so it's cool but also like <laughs> <laughs> i usually have to teach a class tonight too so i uh yeah it's it's fun but it's also yeah it can be challenging um so what um can you just kind of tell us the story of, of how how and why Boston? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I can I can just kind of run it around. So I I give talks sometimes in master classes, mm-hmm. but more so than anything else, just I've been a gigging musician for the longest. Mm-hmm. And um, I've never really had a job other than doing <laughs> music, which is an all-encompassing, all-consuming, 
you wear all the hats kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So don't get me wrong, it it, it never felt like I, I was, you know, carefree running into the woods. But <laughs> I think to somebody else, it would seem like that, right? Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing today? Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. That doesn't sound like a job to a lot of people. <laughs> I'm um, kind of doing that right now, too. So oh, it, nice. it is a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And some months things were good and some months things were not. And I've, I've, I feel really lucky to have a lot of shows under my belt, but like, you know, sometimes it, it kind of adds up all these kind of like these recollections and memories of places. It's really special, but then also at the same time, you think about all the, the ways in which people have just like consumed alcohol at your shows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I have nothing wrong. I have nothing against people consuming and having a good time and finding their pleasure. But it does become a thing where it's like, man, I've I have worked for alcohol companies more than I've like worked for myself <laughs> or I've like <laughs> I have never been like a social that. lubricant. Yeah, it's it's a strange one sometimes. So I think that thought was consuming me for a little while now, as well as like all the air travel and and that stuff hasn't stopped necessarily. But just like the way my life and livelihood depended on like mm-hmm. kind of some pretty messy businesses and industries. So I I had been thinking for a little while about like, well, what else is there? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And kind of coming to the conclusion that there was nothing else um, Mm -hmm. as far as I could tell. And yet at the same time, like uh, I, yeah, I gave a masterclass kind of talk at Berkeley's like a year and a half ago. And I guess that put me in their crosshairs for as they were developing this EDI, what they call EDI, electronic digital instrument. Don't ask me why it's electronic digital instrument because that's a <laughs> yeah. strange nomenclature, but that's academia. I think anyone uh-huh. that knows academia knows that there's like too many acronyms and strange <laughs> reasons for things. But uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess I was in their, I was in their headspace and then they, they had a pretty vigorous outreach to the kind of, to like a very specific subsection of people who had gigged and been involved in the community, but were maybe still academically minded or pushing thought forward. And I'm so happy that they selected me to, to, to be part of this. Yeah. It sounds it, awesome. Um, yeah. what, but so Boston's you, weird too. <laughs> yeah. I bet. Cause you you came from LA, right? And you, didn't you grow up there or you LA for in? the longest? Yeah, yeah. LA forever. Like I never lived anywhere else technically. Um, which means that I will die in this winter upcoming. I, I will perish from the earth. <laughs> I will have to find a bantha or whatever the thing was in Star Star Wars and climb into it. I was going to ask if, it, if it's getting cold yet. I mean, it's get, it's getting cold for me, but mm-hmm. for other people, they're still wearing like flip flops and t shirts. Oh, so I, that's why I know I'm doomed. I actually I did buy the coat. I bought the winter coat, uh-huh. which I've never done before. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, you get a good coat and it can can take you a long ways. I grew up, you know, in the in the mountains of Washington State, and when I went to Michigan for grad school, I thought, oh yeah, I'm from the mountains, it's fine, and it was different. Mm. It was a lot colder. <laughs> Is that prepared. where you learned to make fires? Is that where you learned to make <laughs> kindling? And oh no, <laughs> that was uh, that was more just growing up. We had a wood stove growing up, so it was just awesome. Yeah, that's how we got our awesome. Heat. <laughs> um, so incredible. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot we talked about making bonfires. Um, what else? Oh, so no, trust far- me, that stuck with me. That stayed with me. Yeah. This idea, this person, that you being so like electronically minded and so modular, and then also <laughs> like I want to someday see you like hook up a wood stove power support, like power source. <laughs> 
totally take it off the grid completely. <laughs> Get a, uh, a voltage controlled uh, hatchet. Ooh. <laughs> Now Actually you're cooking chopped, with yeah. butter. <laughs> I chopped a bunch of wood this weekend. I was up in a, um, hey. I was up in a cabin in the woods. It was a lot of fun. I love I love how I mean, it's divergent as it sounds. Like ours, our idea of a good time sitting in front of like a modular or a computer system, patching away. Mm-hmm. Somebody else would hear you say that you chopped wood basically for fun uh-huh. and they would you know like who is this you know how like this crazy person <laughs> deriving fun from what is essentially like a kind of manual labor yeah <laughs> and i feel like the same thing when some sometimes like some shows people see the, the 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 modular come out and they're just like oh my goodness what is that i don't know what that is but i automatically connect with it and other people are just like why like computers exist why are you doing this yeah yeah people ask me that a lot too like well that seems like a lot of work i'm like yeah that's part of the fun in fact, my sister and brother-in-law were watching me chop wood, and it's my brother-in-law's family's cabin. And he said – he always tells me I'm his favorite person to bring out there because then he doesn't have to do the the wood chopping and stuff. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure if I had to do it every day, it would lose its luster. But uh, it's great exercise too. Just a good way nice. to get like some good cardio and upper body workout in. Yeah. So. I mean I feel the same way about patching, so that's yeah. funny you say that. Just <laughs> – I use extra heavy patch cables. They're good sounding and a good workout. So as far as the classes go, are you are you kind of designing your own curriculum or did they kind of give – did they give you something? Did they put you in a, a niche or um, did yeah. they give you coursework? I mean, so they gave me coursework to start, which is somewhat hilarious. And yeah. I can tell you – I can spill a little bit about that. I don't want to spill too much, but I can spill yeah. a little bit about it. And And I am in the process of developing curriculum both for – you know, like I said, these like non-real instruments, non-resonant instruments, non-real is actually the wrong term. Right. They are very real. <laughs> They're just not, not usually considered. Um, but yeah, some of the, some, so some of the classes that I'm teaching right now, for instance, I'm teaching a finger drumming class. Okay. Hey, get those <laughs> digits going. Uh, I'm teaching a live remix and mashup class, which I, I didn't name, but I appreciate uh, uh-huh. thoughtfulness. And uh, some critical listening and some other introduction to controllers kind of things. Okay. So you got like a full load. Oh, no, no. And I have like 12 private lessons. Oh, wow. A week. So, wow. No, no. I'm I'm done. My goose is cooked. Like <laughs> I get here at 7 a.m. and I leave at 7 p.m. Dang. Day, so. Damn. Well, thanks for making time for me today. I really appreciate of it. Of course. Yeah, no, this is this is day off and I... I, I I will actually still come into work because they have so many gizmos and gadgets and yeah. like audio bays that I can I can like tuck myself into and get a lot of good sound done. Yeah. I, I, so one of the parts of moving was I didn't I wasn't able to move my studio out from LA, um, at least not completely, just parts and pieces. Mm-hmm. And so um, definitely my surroundings have changed. My apartment is like bachelor supreme. You know, <laughs> like I have a bed and like a, uh, until yesterday I had a table with with no chairs. <laughs> And like a way to boil water, but like no mugs for a while. I'm I'm slowly getting to human. I got a I got a friend, which was a plant a few days ago as well. Really spruced up the place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah plants are important. I don't know if you can see behind me, but you know Hannah, being a uh, it's kind of dark, but we we've got a whole jungle no, in here. It, it's it, beautiful. It makes a big difference. It's pretty yeah. awesome. Um, so. I'm just so fascinated with the teaching thing and so happy for you. Um, is there, is there any one class that you, I mean, I don't, I don't like the whole favorites game, but is there any one mm. class that is really like, like you really love teaching or. 
Well, I will say that I, I didn't expect to to enjoy teaching mechanical skills as much as mm-hmm. I have. Yeah. Like, I, I come from a background that's pretty, um, like, I love performance, but I think it's a little bit more theoretical where I'm standing. Like, a lot of the reasons that probably we're even talking is because I've had this career with, like, the monom, mm-hmm. and I appreciate it so much, but I'm so advantaged by, like, clever programming on the back end even though it's a very physical instrument it's like very well made by brian crabtree and the assortment of programmers who got in on that so i mean i owe a lot to that but over the years i feel like i i kind of got some some skills here they're hard yeah, fought like sure. not necessarily not necessarily um from a pedagogic pedolo- pedagogical i don't know the right term <laughs> but basically like i i figured things out on my own but without much advantage and i think by teaching these classes about mechanical skills, having to really examine why I do the things I do. And also all my friends and peers who over the years, I've kind of watched them perform and see the ways that they've succeeded and not, and had to really analyze that to be able to regurgitate that to a bunch of unsuspecting students. Yeah. It's been everything. It's so much fun to think about, you know, what these 10 fingers can do and how arm position and body position and entrainment and all these like, I don't know, things I geek out on anyways and to have to like figure out how to say it out loud mm-hmm. you probably understand that too well like yeah it's that's finding that's the a words whole, that connect yeah it really puts your knowledge to the test when you have to try to teach somebody else and yeah. and sometimes like it's funny you'll i'll i'll try to go and explain something to somebody and maybe the first time i've explained this specific thing and sometimes i get giddy like oh yes i get to explain this thing that i love and then i'll start and i'll just fall on my face and be like oh i know what it is in my head but i haven't yeah. you know i and then you know, just figuring that out, it actually makes you kind of, what I've learned from teaching is that you learn like a whole lot about what you're teaching about. It's, um, it's, it's pretty weird. It's a totally different ownership of ideas, right? Mm-hmm. When you own it, not only in the kind of the way that you can perform it, but the way that you can display it. It's just, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it becomes so, kind of like a performance too. <laughs> totally. Right. And, and just also, not let your enthusiasm die on the table. It's like much like making a track in some ways. Like sometimes you have this brilliant little idea, this nugget of truth that makes you start to work on something. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of the day, you kind of you can really like make the song flat by over over teasing or like not not giving giving some part of it enough time. Mm-hmm. And so I feel much the same way. Like the success that I've had in teaching thus far has really come from meeting the students uh, in between the information and where they're sitting um, without the information yet and, and that's thrilling but i need a lot of caffeine to do it too yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was gonna ask so i know you've done a lot of talks and um like academic talks and, and whatnot but like what other training did you have if any for teaching i mean to be honest i hadn't had that many academic talks I, mm-hmm. I, i'd had a handful of master classes and i loved you know especially taking unsuspecting people like you know you go to some sort of moma or or you know other institutions like that and you go give a talk about electronic music or the electronic uh, controllerism or something and it's really fun to get people who hadn't thought about ideas at all mm-hmm. but it's a really another thing to think to to talk to people who who are verging on ideas or already like already immersed and like try to up their ante but really the the experience that i find to be i mean just it's it's just like talking to peers over the years talking yeah, to yeah. friends and other musicians just kind of about like what's geeking us out 
and it's it's funny what seemed like pretty superfluous and just kind of like i like the sound like how do you make that sound what's going on um ends up being like the best educator to how to explain enthusiasm and like kind of impart that Mm -hmm. totally yeah i just i mean i felt like i just had a master class um, over the weekend of velocity, I got to like see mm. so many people perform and, um, congratulations. yeah, it was so cool. And, and this is, you know, total humble brag, but I got to hang out with Ben Divkid at my house a couple times and watching him patch on my system yeah, was like awesome. so, so educational for me. Like, and I, yeah. I advise that for anybody, watch somebody else patch on your system. Um, yeah. cause it's kind of like having a conversation with them about how they do it, but it's like in real time. But yeah, like I, so like all of your experience and all the touring you've done and all the different like people you've played with and met along the way. Yeah. That's, that's kind of, that's excellent training, especially if you're trying to, you know, teach, teach students how, like not only how to do the thing like mechanically and, and in, inside the software musically, but also like, how do you be successful? Because you don't want to go and spend a bunch of money on college and then, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to, yeah, Oof. institutional thought for sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to prescribe someone's experience. I don't want to like measure out how they're supposed to do because I think everyone really is cut from their own cloth and mm -hmm. there are so many ways to be vibrant in music. And sometimes that is fully making it your profession. And other times it's just, you know, having that knowledge in your back pocket for wherever you're going to take the skill set. I mean, I, I, I would love it if everyone could follow their passion and mm -hmm. that everyone had a lane for that. And I, I kind of believe that the world makes that possible, but I, I fully understand too, that not everyone's in for that part of the adventure, especially when you, you know, you don't have as much comfort and security. Um, yeah. So that being said, I love getting real with the students thus far, even though it's only been a month and a half, but there's been plenty of opportunities already and it's just going to get more so. Mm -hmm. I, I really, I really want to be here for the long haul. I feel it already that kind of like, it's, you know, it used to be that I would determine all my life by like the, the length of a record. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I, I'd had, I, I mean, I was married for a while and I had long relationships, but it was almost like that was just a long playing record. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to be so trite about it because I, I know, I know, you know, Generally, records only play for an hour, but for me, a lot of times, the development and coming up with ideas, it takes years sometimes mm -hmm. to take a project from conception to completion and release. And life felt like that in a lot of ways. And this is the first time I feel like I'm trying to escape that that book ending. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, um, you know, with the, the touring lifestyle, and like you said, like some months were better than others. Um, yeah. And uh, as successful as you've been, I'm sure there were times where you were kind of like, oh, shit, I need to, you know, I need to get some gigs or, you know, there's probably some, some hustle involved. So getting something like this teaching some gig. Hustle. Yeah. All hustle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm learning. I'm trying to learn how to hustle. Um, but yeah, this, I imagine there's, oh, I hope there's like a sense of, of stability that you feel being there. Maybe once it's gone on for a while, yeah, it'll it'll feel like that. Right now, it's still too new to feel stable. It feels like I'm. I, I hate to say this, and it's kind of diminishing now. But for the first month, I felt like I was just on tour, yeah, and that the tour was going to end, and I was just going to go back to LA. Um, but over time, I'm kind of learning through persistence of vision, probably alone, but just like that, I'm going to be here. And if I survive the winter, as as per mentioned, <laughs> um, then maybe it'll it'll kind of really start to feel like a home. Mm -hmm. um, and not not just a home that's full of furnishings and plants, hopefully, but also a place where like can kind of create mm -hmm. real real creation 
that if it takes on album form or takes on the form of an instrument or kind of, you know, continues to, to be maybe online courses or there's all kinds of ways to express here in this institution and also just elsewise. There's like Harvard and and there's, you know, MIT nearby and there's just all kinds of other places that are also teeming with ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like a good fit for you because you are, I mean, you're you're very academically minded. I feel like when, you know, when we talk about stuff, you have, you know, you, you think about stuff, uh, I think on a different, like a deeper level than a lot of people do. So I think you're in the perfect position to, um, to help spread knowledge. And, and also, like, I think it's just as important, especially... Um, in in a like a music school or an artistic school is uh, the enthusiasm being able to just like convey enthusiasm and keep people excited about something is, uh, is so valuable. Well, and that's and that's one of the real skills as being a musician is that um, I think a lot of the musicians that do tend to falter or fail, they they lose sight or they lose touch of their enthusiasm, mm-hmm. their passion. Totally. You know, whatever whatever word you want to use for it, but it becomes distant and and kind of uh it's hard to grasp on the daily and then at a certain point they wake up and they're not feeling at all and there's a crisis right because mm-hmm. this here's this thing that you you began with such passion um and that maybe it it isn't meant to live in you all the time and that that's that's hard that's a hard thought um and i i love the fact that i i've always i at least for myself personally music has always been this other this outside thing mm-hmm. and I'm just excited when it visits. I'm just yeah. so happy that it's like kind of living here. It made like a little, a little house in me and I'm so happy to like talk to it as often as it wants to come. <laughs> I like that. Um, <laughs> well, speaking of music and when it comes to talk to you, I want to talk to you about um, your, your latest record. Um, I want to talk, I want to talk about it in the context of the trilogy. Um, sure. the, the end of empire trilogy. So this is the, the final record. Um, yeah. bitter Einders, Is that how you say it? Uh, that's how I say it. I mean, okay. I, when you say, when you hear a person from South Africa with like an Afrikaans accent, say it, it's like all kinds of other consonants <laughs> going on, but we're doing our best. <laughs> so, um, can we talk just a little bit about that trilogy? What it like, sure. like where the idea came from and when, what it means to you up until the new record, that's kind of a big yeah. question, but no, no, I can, I mean, you know, doing a little bit of press for the record and I feel like the answer always changes, but the one thing I, I can say in, as a certain certitude is that as I was traveling more and going to these places, I went to, to China some years ago and I played some shows in, in the Ukraine and then a little bit more recently, South Africa, I'd always had this, this like, it was almost like a prompt that had stuck with me about making music for making music before soundtrack had existed before the the recorded medium had existed so i always wanted to kind of dive into the old timey let's say mm-hmm. um but i didn't know exactly where to hang my hat and um after going to these countries and seeing very clearly the colonial footprints still playing out my sister lived in hong kong up until really recently and i was also going to mainland china and um, equally with Ukraine, I made some friends there before the war, the recent, you know, um, annexation of Crimea and things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and equally for South Africa to go there and to meet these people who had made beautiful lives, um, but based on kind of lies that their families had been told about how apartheid was working. I mean, heavy things, but it just makes you want to react. Mm-hmm. And I don't know any better way to do that than with music. 
Um, okay. I don't know any other way to process trauma than with mm -hmm. music. And, and equally with the modern moment we've been having for a while now mm -hmm. with endless war and kind of the, our own kind of colonial expansion, I don't know how to look at that straight in the, in the eye, so to speak. It's mm -hmm. kind of hard to see. It's it, it partially by design, right? We're not meant to see the whole thing. It's kind of like somewhere between conspiracy and, and reality is like the truth. And mm. I, I, I just did my best to, to wrestle with now, but looking back to then, and especially the way these wars and the mysticism about them and the kind of the endless expansion of the Victorian empire that, uh, you know, I adore so much of the outcomes. I adore the fashion and I, I like some of the culture that's come from there, but have to really look hard at like the, the kind of ways that especially stepped on people, um, coped and dealt and, you know, were subsumed and subsided. And it's just, it's kind of, it was too much of a big thought to just let sit still. So mm -hmm. I began to make records based on three year wars in the Victorian period. Cause that was, that was a small enough of a thought to start to like make music around. And it's taken me years, of course, to finish the series, but I'm so grateful that both I had brain feeder along for the ride that they were open to this kind of like, yeah. you know, who makes, who, who wants this and who like, you know, before they hear about my record series, who were like, I want to get some music about three year wars in the Victorian period. <laughs> this is my sweet spot too. <laughs> So I assume that I'm creating, I'm creating the marketplace, let's say, um, but let's, but also it was a wonderful excuse to, to really dive into sound spaces that I don't think are on, um, that are very current. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's pretty, it's, you know, there's, there's certainly an ambient scene out there. There's certainly a lot of noise, but I'm, I'm working on like a different thing, like an orchestral, um, uh, soundtrack to you know movies that haven't been made kind of vibes totally yeah d i t definitely get a soundtrack vibe off of the new the new record and yeah also i'll say that, that it seems like the end of the uh end of empire stuff is is a pretty a pretty big departure from your other albums um it yeah. seems like and i was i was curious how much of that was uh like an intentional sidestep just to like flex a different creative muscle like cause it sounds like i see where the inspiration's coming from now from what you're saying um yeah. so it sounds like it was more organic i was wondering if it was kind of an intentional i want to try something a little different well each record is kind of an intentionality right each record is an attempt to to kind of widen the circle and to find a different inspiration like i don't want to just make a record just because it it's like i need to because it's right. the cycle Mm -hmm. I want strong reasons because I think I might have even mentioned this before. I, I really do believe there's like a burning pyre of records somewhere in like a garbage dump. And just to know <laughs> that no matter how successful a record you do is, it's going to be in that it's going to be in that same yeah. never ending pyre, <laughs> that hole in the ground that's going to be burning for the next 50 years. Um, so not to sound doom and gloom, but just, you know, there's you need strong reasons. And um, and and indeed, like. There's one aspect of it being, I don't get the, ch you're always chasing yourself. I mean, mm -hmm. no matter how much I feel like I'm given total freedom, nobody's really holding me accountable. Somebody likes a song from a previous record and it's hard to not sound like that song again. It's hard not to like include it in the, in the inspiration for the next project. Um, and I have 
distinct songs like that in my my catalog that are like people like this one obviously more than others. I mean, unfortunately, the way the metrics work on like a Spotify gives us too much information. Yeah, <laughs> it becomes really easy and lazy to be like, oh well. I'll make another special request or I'll make another Fairweather Friends or these are like songs in my catalog that do well each month. Mm -hmm. But I also, I, I don't want it to be mechanical and rote and just data-driven analytics. I yeah, mean, right. I, that is not my <laughs> industry, right? That's not what I signed up for. And, um, and equally also, as I've engaged with the kind of new technology, like Modular came into my life not too long ago. I mean, I'd certainly known about it for the longest. Um, I had dealt with like Patch Bay Moogs, as I mentioned in the previous episode that I did with you, but I, I hadn't been up on the new newest. And so this latest record is really diving into it. And, and equally, some of the other records were like looking at technique and ideas. Um, the Light Brigade is really exploring the guitar, especially my tuning mm -hmm. of the guitar mm -hmm. in a really fundamental way. And before that, like song-based chanson, like to say that out loud makes me say, feel kind of silly, but <laughs> the uh, Righteous Fist of Harmony is really looking at song form, mm -hmm. but as if it was electronic and repetitive. And and so equally, then the Bitter Einders is like a deep exploration, not only of my own modular practice, but also like ancient tools. Like I was using like, like I've shared a few pictures of the studio, but this William Twe. I don't know how to say the word properly. It's a, mm -hmm. it's in it's in the Netherlands. This Dutch studio that has like you know these scientific oscillators that you do feedback operations with to generate kind of mel melodic forms. Uh -huh. They had a pipe organ. I just felt like I was diving into like the most ancient electronics, <laughs> but to to get them to like breathe and squeal and sigh and be mm -hmm. sad, it felt so good. Okay, well, that you just started kind of answering one of my questions um, mm. about how you who, how you produce the record, and I was wondering, it's what it sounded like to me, and I could be totally wrong, but mm. as I'm listening to it, I'm trying to kind of like figure out, um, I'm imagining how you work with modular. Um, mm -hmm. I'm thinking like, okay, this you know this track has you know like a, a sample is kind of the main part but there's this bed under it and i'm just and then sometimes it seems like there's like a sample that's kind of maybe the bed and maybe some like synth line is the actual thing and i was wondering like how much how much modular synthesis outside of sampling did you did you use on this record or did you create samples from the older technology like you're talking about and then bring that in yeah no samples um just just players. I worked with musicians in South Africa and I worked in the studio in the Netherlands and I worked in my, my studio in LA and I didn't use any samples on this one. No samples on Just, the record. No samples oh, on the record. Cool. Okay. I, I really right. wanted to, I mean, I, I do appreciate that you, you have an insight into my modular practice when I perform and I do adore doing sample manipulation and, um, no, this one's, this one's different techniques. This one's using a lot of the chrono blob one at the time and then the chrono blob two a little later. Um, so doing like kind of looping manipulations in that space, mm -hmm. as well as um, using a lot of those like kind of feedback operations into long recordings and then selecting of those recordings moments uh -huh. that were more, you know, more appropriate. And then also on like the pipe organ doing a lot of half stop work. So that's how I was able to get like those beating effects mm -hmm. um, out of the those like low subby sounds. Um, and then some of the some of the racking that's going on where you can kind of hear the stutter effect it is is being done with um using something like uh the swn 
on 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 one of the tracks on trifling using that as like the sound source which of course is a wavetable so that's a kind of sample uh-huh. um but not not traditional sampling right, right. as such that's so uh, there's cool. some granularity on the record though too there's definitely some manipulation with ableton on um sangoma i want to say uh if my memory serves that has this like whole like kind of way the the kind of melodics are happening but yeah i i really wanted to try to to go into that place i fear which i fear the oscillator i think yeah. in many ways <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and i i know it's so funny compared to most modular performers they're just like all about their like perfect couple oscillators that like creates and defines their sound and mm-hmm. their like their fingerprints but for me i was i've always been overwhelmed by this idea that like here's this hp real estate you're giving to a single sound yeah and it can get more complicated you can put more overtones on it maybe or maybe it does something unique in fm or additive or you know who knows what flavor but still like that's you yeah (laughs) what are you talking about (laughs) it's not me so i was going to ask if you used the swn um a bit on this record because that thing is so powerful i imagine it would be hard not to use it um but that's so well i love that i assumed that's I do that so often on this show. It's like you did it like this, right? And then you know the answer is no, not at all. Um, but yeah, I think it's just from watching you, you know, play live and the way, you know, the way you've you've dove into modular, being heavily, you know, using the STS really heavily. Mm-hmm. I just I was listening to this. I kind of I thought maybe that you had that you played some stuff and then you had some studio musicians play some stuff and then that you took that and manipulated it. But as I was thinking that, I was like, man, he manipulated this to sound like one long performance. So it makes more sense now that you've like, you had people doing long performances over these, these sounds. Um, and like, I, I, I think I texted you the other day. Is, is it Dussud? Is that how you say it? Uh, you say it with more of a French, with uh-huh. more of a French Dussud, I guess. But uh, I don't, I, you know, I would be, I would be butchering it myself. I've long ago realized that like English is, is not my strongest suit even and much less foreign languages, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a French word, which is kind of odd considering all the English and Dutch that goes on in this record and the Afrikaans mm-hmm. at essence, but, um, no, du Sud is the South. Okay. That song, that track is like, I, that's going to be my track of the winter. I think that's just like, awesome. it just, just punches me in the chest with like the, the, like the, it just feels it kind of feels like I love the 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 change of seasons feel and the change mm-hmm. of seasons into fall happens it's just like my favorite I totally like I buy into the whole scented candle like low light wow. scented candle thing and it's like that that song is just like a perfect thing to come home and like put on you know like awesome I love that stuff. <laughs> I can't wait to I mean I have the vinyl coming out really soon it's going to be a box set of all the records Oh, and nice. when that time comes, I just I love this image in my mind of you picking up the the <laughs> picking up the stylus, putting it on the record on that one little track further in, lighting your candle, <laughs> turning on the hi-fi, maybe not in that order, maybe it's a different order of things, whatever your operations are. And just and you know, and then turning on your modular and and jamming along. That's Oh, that's yeah. My, you know, I haven't done that. I haven't jammed with anything with my modular. I should try that sometime. You know, there's a legendary story. Not to get off topic, but I mean, what what would be doing? What would we be doing if we didn't? Um, <laughs> so, do you know the band The Silver Apples? Um, I don't. I think so. I think I've heard of them. They like, they're named after a a a, a record by um, Morton Subotnick named The Silver Apples on the Moon. But uh-huh. they were like a very jammy psychedelic 
like almost techno band from the okay. late 60s super weird and cool and they uh, one of their members is still kicking and, and around but um, apparently the way the band formed or the way it happened was that <laughs> these people living downstairs uh, this they had an upstairs neighbor or a downstairs neighbor or something who would always play like Rolling Stones too loud and take one of those old um, like crank oscillators and jam along with the guitar lines <laughs> So just like literally like rolling around one of those things just on top of these Rolling Stone records. And the people were like, they loved the sound of it. And so they, they apparently hit him up and they, he got a record deal based on that. Oh, That's whoa. how people got record deals back in the day, I guess. <laughs> That's weird. Um, yeah, well, I, I think, yeah, just like find the key and, and get a controller and just put it through a quantizer and just go nuts. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, I also wanted to ask you... Um, unless you have more to talk about that, I don't want to move. I don't want to too harshly move away from the album stuff. But um, it's, no, I mean the the album exists. But I also I I think reasonably and and very likely that hopefully people will encounter it if they need it and they don't have to if they don't. <laughs> I love that. I yeah. love it that it exists, but it doesn't have to be in people's crosshairs. I know I should do probably a better job of promoting and yelling about it, but it also it'll be around. Like as much as I I have my problems with scarcity and abundance and the fact that music's a little less prized in our society it isn't like we dress up like our favorite genres anymore it isn't like we yeah. have to just i mean you might wear a band shirt but it it might just be to like be warm more than to really display <laughs> like you might have not gotten it at the concert you might have gotten it at like a manic panic or like a forever 75 yeah. or whatever <laughs> and <laughs> and uh and so without the prized place of music it's like i worry about its persistence and you know, venues are always imperiled and all these things, but I also do love the fact that, like, yeah, I made a weird record and it's going to kick around if anyone needs it. So, yeah. Well, actually, you know what? I did have one more question. We we just hmm. did the whole like we're going to switch, but um, it's it seems it seems darker than your other stuff. It seems like a pretty yeah. like not not like um, I don't know. Like I showed my friend Josh. Uh, who's who's hmm. half a modular Seattle here, and you're you're like one of his guys. Um, oh, awesome! Yeah, and he was. We were talking about it last night. He was like, "I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting that. But it's amazing." Yeah. Oh, that's and I feel like sweet. that that's kind of exactly how I felt. Like, because I heard I heard Velt was like the single mm -hmm. that you released, yeah, and that's like mm -hmm. the the banger of the of the album. <laughs> it has beats. If that's yeah. what you mean by banger, yeah, it has exactly. actual beats. Yeah. <laughs> So I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I was really surprised to find everything else was like, it's it's pretty mellow. And, and yeah, like, I, I, you could definitely sink into it. I kind of fought with the label about what the single was going to be. Um, mm -hmm. Not fought. Fought's the wrong term. But I had a, a, a disagreement, a very yeah. gentle disagreement that they would pick the song that kind of went for it the most on the record. Um, whereas there's some other songs that I feel like are more uh, decent impression of the record. But yeah. that being said, I was still grateful that, you know, it got some traction. It did its thing. But no, you're absolutely right. It's very different. I, I do feel like I am changing as an artist. Mm -hmm. And not to say that I'm going to do this record again. I don't plan to make more like dark ambient soundtrack. I mean, the situation that I'm, I'm making the record about, if you go to South Africa, you still feel it. Mm -hmm. People are still... It's like over 100 years ago, and it's still in their craw. It's still a reason why, for lack of a better term, it's still part of the reason why people um, dismiss apartheid. Because mm -hmm. they're like, well, 100 years ago, we were the ones in concentration camps. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So we're paying it forward in these crazy ways. And it, it gets really deep and really intense. And I I don't know if I've always given myself the permission to both make uh, serious, serious music and also the permission to make dance music. Mm-hmm. And I know these are very different things, and um, but sometimes they can be the same thing. And uh, I've been trying to get over both both those like hang-ups you know i think any amount of music making is always a a lot of a lot of self-therapy self-soothing totally and i i needed this record more than i realized until it was done i was like oh oh god (laughs) like it's it did feel like you were you were getting something out it really feels that way um and i think that's what no matter if the if the record's no matter what it is, dancey, is it, is, it, is it full of bangers or is it ambient soundtrack? Like, I think the most important thing for me as a listener is if, it, if I f- like feel like it is, there is like intent and some sort of like exercising of something, you know, from the artist. I appreciate that, it. but I, I, I really do feel like some, some records are, are more selfless and some of them are more selfish. Mm-hmm. And this one's definitely more on the selfish train of things. <laughs> let's say, yeah. you know, I, I love this. I love this fact that I have like, this is like my 21st record or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've done a few of these and just, it's interesting how some records seem to find their way into people's lives. That seems to be inclusive. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I always decide that. I don't feel like I go out of my way to be like, this is going to be that one. But they just end up that way. They just end up being more like arms open. And this one was like the most furrowed brow and closed <laughs> closed fists or something. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't... I think if you set that intention before making it, then you're automatically kind of like directing... I don't know. I'm trying to find a way to say this. It seems mm-hmm. like something that has to happen organically. And it seems like it did yeah. this one. Um. Yes. And so I'm also curious how much, so you've been into modular for what, like two years? Yeah. I, last time I talked with you was very early in my journey still. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had come to some conclusions, but gosh, it, I listened back to that episode not too long ago, kind of preparing for this. And it was uh-huh. just like, oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> I, I've, I mean, it, I've, I'm so grateful the community has been so welcoming, um, and the community writ large, like both like meetups and like modular on the spot um, kind of ask events as well mm-hmm. as modular on the spot, but also just the wider world is just really catching up to speed to what's happening. It's just so I actually finally played my first module on the spot. Not even that long ago, like yeah, two months I saw ago. Pictures or something. of that. Was that in L.A.? Yeah, it was That's so awesome. incredible. That's so there's cool. such a good community. Yeah, man. Like I was just talking about velocity just happened. And yeah. that was just um I was t- Banna Hafar was talking about it with uh, my wife and I, and, she, and she's, she described it best. She was like, a portal opened like to mm-hmm. another dimension that night. And it was kind of like, yeah, kind of, it's not to be like too, like, don't like over, overdo anything, but it, it was, a, and it's just that community thing that like you're talking about. Yeah. It was just like people from all over the country coming, uh, people from out of state. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I buried lead on that people from out of state and people from out of country. Um, yeah. But where I'm going with all of this rambling is uh, I'm curious how much your modular, your approach to modular has changed since you've gotten into it. Since like, I think like I'm thinking about your, the talk that you gave at switched on in Austin Yeah. Um, from then to now. So some of the equipment has changed, but in many ways, my perspective has not. Okay. I've actually, I've, I was, I, at first I thought like, Oh, this is where I'm going to be for now. 
things like the STS as like the the centerpiece of my operation. Well, this can't last because the modular scene in general is so vigorous, so moving and changing. I mean, something else is going to come along and dethrone it, like push me off my my space, or or even I'm going to get so chided by the general community that I'll I'll be forced to change if I really want to <laughs> pursue this. But if anything, I have been I've been fe- felt made to feel so welcome, and equally the equipment manufacturers are so like listening, and so there's that there's that aspect of like I've felt like um, so so made possible mm-hmm. in these approaches, but also that nobody else has come along and shown me better or otherwise. Like yeah. still this idea, this metaphor of like the DJ, um, the like modular DJ idea. I still haven't figured out a better way to do so. I've I've added equipment. I've taken things away. If you look at my modular grid, it's constantly changing. And yeah. Like I'm kind of. I try to keep it up to date a little bit with the ideas, but in many ways, like some of the core precepts are still like pretty centered. I mean, you'll see today. I have some new kit that I'm still experimenting with and finding ways with. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's it's kind of it's. I'm amazed that it's it's. Um, I can stay this centered and that I still don't feel like that many people are doing what I'm doing. And I feel like that should change. I feel like a lot more people would benefit. Uh, I've met a few now people who have like either gotten into my process or shown me theirs. And it's so inspiring to see people doing like really vigorous sample manipulation in the modular space slash kind of doing whole track work, doing uh, bigger processing. There's still like not many uh, audio processing units uh there's a few like big name and then there's some erica stuff like the black hole 2 and things that are like do a good enough job but it's like kind of small mm-hmm. right you'd think that you know i don't know it's I, i'm still amazed by how much i can see happening still yeah yeah it seems like that seems to be one of the the most exciting things about the format is and i think we need people like you coming along too because like like not a lot of people do um, do things the way you do it, and I think, I think people seeing that are gonna, it's like when I watched, you made me want to get a sampler. You know, I'm like, I yeah. want to try that. <laughs> yes. I love it. <laughs> well, and then I try, you know, when I um, when I was like trying trying your setup before yeah. uh, when you're doing the sound check, like you're like just do this, and you like move something on the planar, and it sounded like sounded so cool and then you're like try it and i went and do it and like it clicked like nothing happened <laughs> i was like oh shit that like this like i don't know it, it, it even though i did some i did nothing that that was almost inspiring it's like oh i want to figure out how to do that you know yeah. like so I, I don't know i'm kind of rambling now but i i i think this this format has a lot a long ways to go and it has a lot of different directions it can go in um and I think I, I think also to oh yeah, not to not to um, to butt in, but I do think it's one of those things where every time I have the opportunity to really sit down with other modular players and do something, I always come away with so many ideas, and I'm amazed by like it's just partially the situations I'm in. I just don't I don't get a chance to as often as I'd like. Mm-hmm. But things like Module on the Spot and all these other community based festivals, it sounds like Velocity was much like this, and now I've gone to a few meetups as well out here in Boston area, mm-hmm. and like. It's just revelatory every time you yeah. see somebody's technique and the way they approach the instrument, the way they lay out their instrument, their kind of headspace and just their body in, 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 like in appropriation to um, the way they're grabbing sound. And like, it's just, it changes me every time. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And compared to like DJs, like traditional DJ space where it's like, 
you just it could be no more forgettable than some like DJ throwing up gun hands and telling people to throw their an- hands up and <laughs> and playing like the latest banger. It's just like it's just such a snooze fest. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, watch watching you play when you were out here um, at uh, what was that venue called? The one in Fremont. I can't. Oh no! Is it done? Is it already gone from the world? No, I just I can't. Okay. I know what it's called. I just totally am blanking. I think it's because it's it's still early in the, the morning for the me. The something lounge, maybe. Oh yeah. Anyways, when I'll, it'll pop in my head in here in a second. But um, I was curious to see. You know, like I'd seen you know live sets on YouTube of you with like the monum and stuff, and I was like, is, how how is this going to be? And it was still like it was like a dance party. Everybody was yeah. just totally like. I don't know. You you fit you figured out how to do do the thing that you're doing, and it's like I don't know. I'm I don't I'm not going anywhere with this. I I've, I thought my brain would find a way, but like I just I I find myself still telling people about that show, and just being Aww. like Alfred's playing the modular in a way that no one else is, and well, I'm curious. Are you was, yeah. are you go, are you bringing this to the classroom? Are you bringing like this specific like modular? Like, has any of this made it into the classroom? Absolutely. One of the things about this school here is they do have a really strong modular synthesis program. Oh, cool. Matthew Davidson is one of the professors here. Um, he makes music as Strata. He's been very vigorous in the modern community for years, and he leads their modular ensemble, like an actual like kind of uh, orchestra of modular approach. What? And he's one of the, the people that developed Volta back in the day, the one that was like using audio interfaces, much like the new Ableton um, uh, CV kit is doing where it, it hijacks a uh, an, a in and out um, to to run voltage and uh, he did that way back in the day and now he's professing it and teaching it forward and and I'm you know I, I think I just I'm excited for some of the classes I'm teaching specifically to get a little further in towards you know towards the end where it isn't like so much about getting basic skills going and mm. more about like hey where can we take this? And just exactly like bringing in the mono and bringing in the modular, expressing my thoughts and opinions, but also just seeing the places that these other professors have taken it. I mean, some of these professors, again, like just like I've been dead in awe of the institution, not only because of the skills that are going on on a, like a wide level from the student body, but the the teaching population. It's like it's incredible from every aspect. It's like there's people who worked at EMU and Akai back in the day, like developed nice. the instruments that we're we're still using in part. You know, and then also developing tools of the future in terms of code and stuff. There's just like it's really exciting space in that regard. And so I am, I am really excited to bring these tools in. But I also still know that it's like my approach is a little bit specifically dependent on a lot of my background. Mm-hmm. And I, I am really excited about the person who who brings in the sampler to do long form music manipulation, but maybe takes it to a, a totally different granular place maybe. And I know there's tools out there that already do that. And there's people who are already doing it. I just can't wait to meet them and talk. Right. To them. Yeah. I think I need, I want to talk to Banna Hafar before I actually say that this is the case, but I'm pretty sure that her set at velocity was highly driven by morphogene. And it was, it was awesome. one of the most, it was one of the best sets I've ever seen on like it was it was absolutely insane so I would love to pick her brain to see how you know she's she's doing that sample manipulation but I think I think that's I don't know I was talking with some buddies last night we're working on like a rescoring of Nosferatu to do live nice yeah hey, we'll see how that welcome goes welcome to Christmas yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and uh we were talking just about like 
just just sample manipulation and creating samples and then finding ways to like create sets off of it and and you know like my friend who who just got the morphogene he i think he was kind of like he he feels a little it sounded like he felt a little insecure it's like well when does this like when does this become my thing and it's like well i think like once once you're not just looping like a hook like once you're using a sound to create your thing that's it is your thing you know like but it's where am i going with this Um, well i think it's valid i think it's a valid (laughs) thought i think what what they're saying is is a valid idea that how what we do and our intentionality is a lot of a a huge part of music i mean Mm -hmm. to sit at a piano and and have the ego to think that you're making the music is crazy to me (laughs) right right you are hitting a, a a key, which is hitting a tine, which is hitting a string, and that string doesn't do very much. Mm-hmm. And you can hit it harder or softer, but like the idea that you contain that music and that it isn't contained in the piano space seems insane to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I told. I, I said, that's... well, if you're using two chords, like he was, he was like using like an Alt J song as a sample, and I was like, Alt J yeah. didn't make up those chords, <laughs> you know. Yes. So if you use one chord strum from that song. Sure, they they recorded it and they have the timbre, they found the tone, and they you know the dynamics of it all. But like, but yeah, you're right. It's it's I I was trying to like I I found that I was having a, a hard time like we were talking about earlier. Like, oh, I, I have an answer for this, but then I had a hard time getting it out. And then I thought mm-hmm. to myself, well, I'm going to talk to Alfred tomorrow, so he'd be a good person to <laughs> talk to about this. Um, but and then but you meant you mentioned intent, and that's what something I told him last night. I think I was like, yeah. you know, your intent is is such a huge aspect of it too like are you are you intentionally taking a hook that you know people like to try to like mm-hmm. use that hook or are you taking it and actually trying to like express yourself with it and that, those are two totally different things yeah i mean one is what would be the classic definition of mashup where mm-hmm. you're using a bit of audio material even if it's not a sample even if it's just a a lick in the mm-hmm. classic jazz sense you would do quoting you would quote other melodies from past songs to kind of display your in-group, out-group, your mm-hmm. coded language, your you know, you you would be able to to hook people in based on the breadth and width of your encyclopedic melodic knowledge or something, or you know, <laughs> you'd kind of get them. But then the other side is remix, right? Where you're you're taking material that I- exists, but you are manipulating it for your own ends, whether or not people can decipher what the original was. And I think a lot of hip hop plays with this that vantage, for instance. You know, it's like sometimes you hear a jazz jazz chords and you're like, this is beautiful. And you can you can figure it out given enough time. You can go back and spelunk it. But it isn't like, you know, immediately they're just being used for their purpose Vers- versus like when Puff Daddy did it. And then it's the most mashup of mashups. <laughs> it's like, damn you, Sting. And your never ending songs, um, as you know, for instance. But uh-huh. <laughs> but I also think it is it is funny to like look at something like, um, you know, Alt-J is a fine example. But then you can also look at. At Tame Impala, it's like, you know, one of the reasons why, uh, and you know, this is maybe a little out of date. Obviously, they they haven't done something in a while. You can look at a more recent band like Crumb or something, and it's like you can tell they sound like so many other things, but you just can't quite put your finger on it. Mm-hmm. There's something really beautiful and 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 like, you know, it's like it's it's kind of really happening when it's like that. When you're just like, I know this song, but like I've never heard it before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's something to that as well. There's something special to all these different forms of of you know facade and simulacra and all that yeah. stuff <laughs> you hear that michael it's okay it's okay to use that alt j song <laughs> just use it for the powers of good not evil that's, exactly that's yeah <laughs> well this flew by 
that we're already at almost at an hour. Um, oh, goodness. And uh, did you want to do a patch challenge today? Absolutely. Hell 100%. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let me get a creative com combination for you here. Uh, a sleep tune. That's, I don't really like that one very much. Sci uh, I feel like my last one was like a sleep tune, even though <laughs> I, I tried to make beats out of it. It felt more like a sleep tune. Um, I mean that's good though. Whatever, whatever works. Like I can, I can do my damnedest. Yeah, just some, the sometimes semantic serial. <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> I mean, um, Lost Enterprise. That's not. Uh, I I like Star Trek. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I think that's the name of an episode in season three. No, yes, <laughs> next gen. Faint declaration. Perfect. I got. Yeah. It. I know that's me. That's me. One hundred percent. Okay. Cool. Faint declaration. It's it's funny. This thing this thing spits out some real some real good stuff sometimes, but it takes a while. Declaration. Faint declaration is is my uh, my jam. At least where <laughs> where I'm currently. <laughs> it is I, Abe from AI Synthesis. Baxter Kitty and I have hijacked this podcast. I have all the power. I can noodle on my roads or send you secret details, which I will do now. I want to tell you about the AI08 Matrix Mixer, available at AISynthesis.com and other fine retailers. <laughs> Feed effects into themselves to create drones. Feed an LFO into itself, making it sound like a robot. And now, a future module modulating itself. A matrix mixer facilitates all of these. Go to AISynthesis.com to learn more. <laughs> Are you searching for a way to show off to your friends and family who visit your home or studio just how sophisticated your taste is? Well, let me help you. Go to NeedhamWoodworks.com and look at these fine Eurorack cases. Handcrafted pieces of furniture. No one is the same as the last. Beautiful, beautiful works of art. NeedhamWoodworks.com N-E-E-D-H-A-M Woodworks.com And as always, thank you, Lisa Belladonna, for this sweet, sweet, tasty jam. So... How was that? Faint declaration. Faint declaration. Um, it's funny you mentioned those words. I know you gave me a little bit of, of options there. I could have maybe jumped on others, but um, I, I uh, for for two reasons, declaration jumped out at me, and I will just say this right off the bat. One is I do feel so much like these records I've been working on have been a kind of plaintive declaration of a certain alternate reality or other thought. And so there's that. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then the other side is that I literally like the, like students right now have to declare their major for their like, and so plain, like, you know, faint declaration is so much what's actually going on on campus. It's crazy. <laughs> I appreciate that so much. So I've done my best to quickly channel some of those thoughts into, to a patch. Sweet. What did you, uh, what did you use? 
Yeah, I, I have some new kit that came to me recently. Um, in this case, I still have the STS as my brain, but I'm using it more of a clock device. Okay. I'm literally running one side as clock, um, feeding some like kind of unique, what is it, in essence, like LFOing, mm-hmm. um, or kind of like not just low frequency oscillators, but like deriving information from one side of the STS to create um, control voltage oscillation into the SWN. The SWN is the main sound source. Um, you'll hear it in a second, um, obviously, <laughs> or you've heard it. Uh, uh, and it, it, it providing the... Um, it's, I'm not gussing it up too much. There's a little bit of a reverb hit on there. And, but then the logic system that I'm using to like really get it to where I want it to go... They recently put out a new patch for the SWN that does some amazing things. It allows you to use it like a, like almost a traditional keyboard, mm-hmm. unlike a lot of modular oscillators that are just going. It, this was thrilling to me when it first came, um, when they first updated the patch because it, it allowed for just different performance possibilities. But I'm still using it in its traditional, like just on kind of sense. But I'm using it with the Polyant preset, which has been incredible for me thus far. Okay. Because here is a buttony device that allows me to do monom style uh, interaction with the modular system, you know? Oh, so yeah, some kind of like familiar territory to kind of like, uh, that's, that's cool. So you can find like a, a way, like a way that you used to work within your new system. And, and although, I mean, it's a way to look at the previous, but I don't want to just retread old necessarily. So mm-hmm. I am trying to find like novel ways to get things to build and i think i've found one with the patch today um in terms of getting it's not only retuning the swn but it's also using the slew on the on the preset to like really get those in-between moments between patches Mm -hmm. as well as um using a lot of the uh the kind of changing the orientation of the of the notes which you can do very well with the SWN. You have like you can build chords and you can have them like splay and change uh, along a logic system, and then all of that is feeding. In addition to the second half of the SW of uh, the STS, is 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 spitting out audio that is like thus far playing nice. We'll see if it continues to <laughs> during the, the the course of things. The story of modular. It works right now. We'll see what it sounds yeah. like later. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to turn anything off in the in between because yeah. it's just like it's it's kind of happening. That's nice right there. Yeah. But it yeah, I just not, was talking with uh, Dan Green uh, like a week and a half mm-hmm. ago. Um, that, yeah, the SWN is just such an amazing, like, I, it's, it's, it's on my list. I'm just, I want one really bad. It seems like a really powerful tool. I can't stress it enough. It is, it is one of the most innovative, interesting environments in modular that I've come across. Um, I love what's happening with um, FRAP tools right now. I love what they're doing with their utility section, um, both in terms of sequence and in terms of like the uh, Fumana was such a revelation for me. And and more recently, um, some of the other devices that they've been coming with have just been like, you're just looking into the mind of a creator. You're mm-hmm. looking into the mind of an engineer and you're seeing, you're peering in and the SWN is much like that. Like yeah. on, on the surface, who would, who would have approved a six voice wavetable synthesizer you know it's just there's so much packed into such a small amount of space um i love it when you see these these you see very clearly someone's um perspective Mm -hmm. 
And I, I feel that way about what, what's happening at 4MS. I feel that way about what's happening at WMD. I feel that way about, I mean, like every company that seems to be really kicking ass and being successful, schlappy. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I, I, I don't own any of that, but every time I've had a chance to mess with an angle grinder or otherwise, it's like, this man's clearly a genius, <laughs> but also like, what, how, huh? Yeah. And then that's just the beginning of a beautiful conversation with the machine. Yeah. Have you met Eric? Yes, he yeah. came out to the event in uh, in Portland, and that was so very special. Yeah, he's um, he's a great guy. We, um, him and Sarah, his partner, are yeah. Hannah and I just love love any opportunity we get to hang out with them. They were definitely our dance partners for a lot of uh, Velocity, and Eric's set awesome. at Velocity was was absolutely amazing. Like he. He, I hear multiple people say this. They say, I don't really like industrial and I don't really like harsh noise, but I love mm. what Eric Schlappi does. And mm. he just, yeah, he finds a way to make like those harsh sounds just like so inviting. It's yeah. He's, he's, awesome. he's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, you should check out, you should, a hundred grit would be, it would be, I'd be interested to see what you could do with that. Cause that thing is pretty crazy. I just want to see what he does when he when he gets to some samples and he starts to do some granular because you know he's got it in him. Mm -hmm. I just can't wait for that. Who knows? <laughs> Did you hear Who that, knows? Eric? <laughs> <laughs> I'm throwing down the gauntlet. <laughs> just give me give me all the good things. I mean, like again, angle grinder takes input and you can do crazy things with audio mm -hmm. ends. Yeah. So why not just make something that's just starts there? Yeah. <laughs> just, just saying, saying this out loud, seeing what happens. <laughs> We'll see what happens. Yeah, he's he's uh it's funny there's there are people who aren't like engineers who make you know a lot of modular manufacturers aren't, mm -hmm. you know, they're not engineers by trade. Yeah. Um but then, you know, some are and, and it's very clear that Eric has uh a lot of skill in that. It's it's cool to see somebody who has the engineering chops and the the creativity behind it to to really make some yeah. cool stuff. Um Yeah, you hear that Eric? I'm talking good about you. Uh, <laughs> Of course we are. Yeah. Um, He's a bright and shining light. Yeah. So I, well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to checking this patch out. Did you have anything that you wanted to shout from the modular mountaintops before we, before we signed well, off? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, I, I have now been involved on the music side and the modular say space. And I've again, talking to makers and even have my own offering in the delayed list one and two, delayed list two, especially being for the modular space. Oh yeah. I wanted um, to talk about that. <laughs> we didn't even get to that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a beautiful machine. It exists in the world. Unfortunately we did create, and I'm sure a lot of makers can sympathize. We, we decided to make this during the time that we have tariffs with China. Mm. And although that is like, you know, kind of like inconsistently um, getting in the way, it makes everybody, a little bit standoffish about the prospect of like, you know, smaller runs of bespoke things. And we live at such a precarious moment in the music world where our industry is imperiled. The make of things is, it seems inconsistent who's, who wins and loses in the marketplace, mm -hmm. but the enthusiasm, the community that I've been ushered into that I witness all the time is so empowering and so like, it, it takes all those off-putting feelings of the kind of reality check and puts it much in, in like the back seat to the the kind of feeling that there is something so good and right happening when it's good and right. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess in that way, I just I'm so grateful for this opportunity both to share with you and share with your listeners, but also just like encourage people to just do the thing 
to such a degree that you just can't even imagine what's possible until you're really knee deep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as the, I know we're we're about to sign off, but is the the, the mm. delayed list too is is sold out, right? Well, you can. There's a few that are going to stores or uh-huh. that went to stores. Um, it's a little unclear uh, if those are also gone, but I think I think that if you really are looking for like a truly unique way of taking on both delay sample and uh, manipulation of of modular, it, it's a it's perfectly suited. It was made literally to do that. Okay. So. If you're looking for unique, partially outboard gesture systems, um, that would do you really well. If you can find it, either somebody decided to sell theirs. I mean, you know, it's I always expect people are going to have something in their life and they're going to either use it or not, and they should be vigorous. And if it doesn't mean to stick around, then they should get get it back out into the world. Yeah, totally. Um, so find it if you need it, and. We put a whole bunch of co- fun sounds in there and like unique little Easter eggs and to the design aspect. Like that's something I don't, I, I think about a lot nowadays with modular, like the way people design both the, the interface and the way it works, but also just the art that goes into everything. It's just so special to be uh, putting forward the same idea that like anything's possible. Like the instrument is made of sounds, but it's also made of design details that inform the sounds in like a pretty structural way. Cool. Yeah. Is, now, shout out Trek Matthews for the design on the delayed list two, for instance. Yeah. Now, so with like the tariffs and stuff, is is it still kind of up in the air whether or not like a second run will be done, or is this kind of was the first run it? I think because I have a school gig and now John Mike has a school gig, I think we both, even with the the short run that we decided to do, mm-hmm. it, it's just almost impossible. Yeah, it's funny. So. I was talking with Richard from uh, Pittsburgh, and he, they just did that the voltage research laboratory, and you know they mm-hmm. did the big Kickstarter to make you know yeah. like a certain amount, and they're they're pretty much they haven't been released yet, and they're pretty much all spoken for, and it's yeah. it's unclear whether or not they're going to do a second run because it's just it's such a big thing. But I was ta- I was mentioning to him, it's almost kind of cool. You know, as somebody who would want both the delay to list two and and the the mm-hmm. voltage research laboratory, like it's kind of cool that there's stuff like that because in ten years it could be like this super rare, like cool thing that I, people are. I appreciate where you're coming from, but <laughs> I, I do think that there's a different clientele who know what they want, know where they're looking, and are, are actively hunting and have the resources at hand. And there's a whole group of other people who don't really know where they're at, don't know what they need. And they see someone doing it, and they're like, "Oh, I, I need that. Oh, it's impossible to get." Yeah, that, and there, yeah. it, it can be a little disheartening for the more casual or the person who's just a little bit more disadvantaged in terms of how they're looking. Um, and I, you know, again, like we talked about with scarcity of music before, it's like it's kind of this beautiful thing that like nothing is scarce, everything's abundant. But then when you look at how scarce culture was, or how indeed this culture that we exist in, where it's like I still want to get an axis in AYXS. Uh, in my life, mm-hmm. like I want to, I want to try a different flavor of crossfader in my rack, but like I just can't get it. Like, yeah. Every time I go to a store, they're out and they have some coming in, but I'm not there. And you know, <laughs> I, I want to ch- check it out before I get it. And it's just like those kind of scarcity issues. Um, whereas, you know, you talk about somebody who's really like living out in the country, doesn't have their hands on modular, who's thinking about these things they see online, but it's just really a big jump without playing and touching and, and being part of. So I, I, I'd love to see it a little bit more possible yeah. in every regard. Yeah, I was just trying to put a, a positive spin on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Appreciate you, Tim. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get into this 
patch from Alfred here in a second. But remember I told you about this new feature we're going to do on the show, the Patreon Artist Spotlight? Um, well, I'm going to take... Uh, um, one of my Patreon subscribers, and if they have uh, a musical project they want me to, you know, tell you about, um, I'm going to do that. I'm going to kind of pick them randomly, but if you're a, if a Patreon subscriber right now and you want in on it, send me an email. Um, but this week's artist is This Digital Landscape, which is comprised of Brooklyn-based artist Trevor Clark and his Eurorack modular system. He creates music for the uh, long-winded listener and evokes deep contemplations the, uh, through pounding rhythms and ever-evolving digital and analog soundscapes. Uh, his music is best enjoyed with your favorite herbal remedies. Um, so yeah. You heard my story from the beginning of the, at the beginning of the podcast. I can't do that. But if you're into that and, you, and it works for you, then do it. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's get into a track from this digital landscape. He's got a new album on Bandcamp called The Face You Wear Is Not Your Own. Um, and it's available on cassette. And I got to say that uh, I love this album art. It's a very, very cool album art. Um, so yeah, if you want to check that out, please go do that. And uh, thank you, Trevor, for... Uh, being a Patreon subscriber. Now let's check out uh, the title track, The Face You Wear. Thank you, Trevor, a.k.a. This Digital Landscape. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, please go to Bandcamp and uh, look up his new album, The Face You Wear Is Not Your Own. Um, and if you want to be a featured artist, go to patreon.com forward slash modcast and help support the show. And uh, if you're already on there and you want to be a featured artist, uh, send me an email. Link me to some stuff. Give me a bio. All right. Well, that's this episode. We're going we're gonna to close out the episode with Faint Declaration by Daedalus. I just want to say thank you to Alfred for coming back on the show. It's been, it's been really cool uh, to become friends with Alfred since he first came on the show and then visited Seattle a little while later. Um, as you can tell by our conversations, he's a sweet, insightful, thoughtful, and just caring person. Great person to have in our scene. Um, and check out his new album. And uh, yeah, with all this said, let's get into this patch and until next week. Mm-hmm. 